This is Father Aaron Williams with another podcast. If you like listening to these podcasts, please subscribe and leave a good rating on iTunes. Also, share them with your friends and check out the other great podcasts available through the Diocese of Jackson Office of Vocations. Just visit jacksonpriest.com. That's jacksonpriest with an S dot com. Here is my homily from the 19th Sunday in Ordinary Time, given at St. Joseph Church in Greenville, Mississippi, on the 11th of August, 2019. From the writings of St. Augustine. Every man, whatsoever his condition, desires to be happy. There is no man who does not desire this, and each one desires it with such earnestness that he prefers it to all other things. Whoever, in fact, desires other things, desires them for this alone. This past week, we observed the Feast of the Transfiguration of the Lord, the day when our Lord was mystically transfigured before Saints Peter, James, and John, and appeared in all his glory, along with Moses and Elijah. And as we heard in St. Luke's Gospel on Tuesday, Peter, moved so deeply by the experience of the glorified Christ, desired nothing more than to rest in that moment and to never leave. Lord, it is good for us to be here, he said. Now, if you were here for Tuesday's Mass, you heard me mention that this image of Peter at the Transfiguration was a central image given by my retreat master a few weeks back when I was on my canonical retreat at the Benedictine Monastery in Gower, Missouri. Our retreat master spoke about how Peter needed this experience of the glorified Christ, since in only a few weeks' time he would arrive in Jerusalem and our Lord would be arrested, and his passion would ensue. Peter needed to see what waited beyond the cross. And Pope St. Leo the Great explains to us that while Peter's request wasn't a bad thing, it wasn't the perfect desire. Peter's experience upon the mountain was a glimpse of heaven, but it was not heaven. Peter found in this brief moment an experience of real joy, a joy that can only come from God which is why he wanted to rest in it. It would have been wrong for him to not have this desire. But his desire needed to be perfected so that he longed for lasting happiness. The fathers of the church teach us that at the root of all our actions is a desire for happiness. Even our sinful acts are done in order to seek an apparent good. A mistaken good, of course, but something which appears to us as good, which appears to us as giving happiness. Again, as St. Augustine teaches, whoever in fact desires other things, desires them for happiness alone. Both this week and last week in the readings, our Lord is attempting in his teaching to develop our good desires. Where your treasure is, he says, there also will your heart be. Or in the words of St. Thomas Aquinas, the things that we love tell us what we are. What is the most important thing in your life? Your spouse? Your family? Your work? Your faith? Your car? What is the most important thing? What is your treasure? And even deeper than that, what are the things you also value? Those are important as well. We fool ourselves into this sort of false security 
where we think as long as we can mentally explain to ourselves that the greater thing we desire, be it God or family, is more important than the others, then we can still pour ourselves into those other things as well. I had someone tell me once that their favorite thing about being Catholic is that we can have side altars. You know, we have the main central altar where all the important stuff happens, but we can still go over and light a candle at our private side altar where we keep those other things that we love. Now, that's not a very good way to look at our passions. When we truly love something above all else, then everything else is loved insofar as it brings us to the thing we love the most. Whoever desires other things desires them for happiness alone. And of course, for us Christians, the thing we should desire the most, the thing we should love the most, is God, is eternal union with him. And everything else should only be desired insofar as they help us reach him. St. Teresa of Avila uh, encourages us, desire to see God, be fearful of losing him, and find joy in everything that can lead to him. If you act this way, you will always live in great peace. The problem I see in modern Catholics and modern Christians, even, is the tendency to sort of look at the world and say that there are those sinful things out there, but then there are also those things that are just neutral, which don't really cause us to sin in themselves, and so it's okay for us to desire to have them. And so you sort of get this prosperity gospel understanding. It's the Joel Olstein mentality, that so long as we fundamentally place God above everything else— then it's okay if we have everything else, so long as those things don't cause us to sin. And this especially comes to play with the standard of living that most people desire. Most people want to become very successful in business, buy a nice car, get a boat, get a big TV, TV, go out and go to all the fancy restaurants, see the world. And there really isn't anything fundamentally wrong with these things. No, it's not a sin to have a nice car. But listen again to our Lord's words from last week's gospel. Though one may be rich, he says, one's life does not consist of the abundance. And of course you'll say, well, I'm not rich, Father, that doesn't apply to me. Well, I'm not rich either, I promise you, but Christ is speaking to me here as well. Our happiness doesn't consist of the abundance. The things that we love tell us what we are, and if what we are are Christian, then what we love is God. And therefore, everything we seek is sought because it brings us to God. The fathers teach us that what we should seek, as far as our earthly needs and possessions are concerned, are those things which are necessary toward our state of life. But even then, we seek them because they are necessary, and not because they are desirable. So, for example, I need to have a car as a priest. I'm not a monk. I'm not a hermit. I need to be able to go to the hospital, or even to drive down to New Orleans to visit the seminarians. And so I need a car that is presentable, that is dependable, that isn't overly expensive in comparison to the small amount that I get paid. And if I go through the sort of evaluation with all things that I need to purchase, then I usually have a good bit of money left over that I didn't expect to have. And that, of course, should give rise to another question. I have all this extra money. What do I do with it? Usually, I find that whenever I happen to have extra money or something else, if I'm paying attention, the Lord shows me what to do with it. And so what usually happens, say when I finish a baptism, and that moment comes when you shake someone's hand and they give you a check or cash or something else, usually I can pocket that, but give it a day or two, 
and I will stumble upon something that requires just that amount. Someone on the street, someone unexpected appears for dinner, the seminarians have some need of theirs that has to be attended to immediately. Whoever, in fact, desires other things, desires them for happiness alone. If the happiness I desire is God himself, then all the other things that the world will present as happiness seem to fall away. And there's a certain gratuitousness to that. When we desire God alone, we start to divest ourselves of everything that is unnecessary to bring us to God, or we usually take those things and use them in a way that brings us to God. Like in the famous prayer of St. Ignatius of Loyola, when he prays that God take away all that he calls his own, but begs, give me only your love and your grace, and that will be enough for me. And so we are able to become gratuitous toward the church, toward our family, toward our friends. There's been many times that right after I receive a gift, the first thing I want to do is spend it on my friends. You see, there's a difference between this way of life and poverty. When we live this way, we order our earthly possessions toward God's command. I saw an article on a blog recently that gives a good visualization to this. In one picture, you had the tattered and patched habit of St. Francis of Assisi, and in the other, you had his beautifully embroidered and handmade lace alb. That's the white vestment that he would wear for Mass. St. Francis was able to properly order his possessions in such a way so as to truly give God prominence. And perhaps his example may be a bit extreme for what is required for most of us, but it is still a good image to consider. The things that we love tell us what we are. Where your treasure is, there also will your heart be. If we are Christian, what then do we love?